You're listening to a press conference from the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health with Sikulile Moyo, Laboratory Director for the Botswana Harvard HIV Reference Laboratory in Gaborone, Botswana, and Research Fellow in the Department of Immunology and Infectious Diseases, and Roger Shapiro, an Associate Professor of Immunology and Infectious Diseases and Chair of the Board of Directors of the Botswana Harvard AIDS Institute Partnership and Joseph Makema, CEO of the Botswana Harvard AIDS Institute Partnership. This call was recorded at 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Friday, December 3rd. All right. Uh, Dr. Shapiro, would you like to open it up? Do you have any uh, opening comments for us? Sure. Uh, thank you, uh, Nicole. I have a, just a quick opening statement. Uh, so good morning. It's my pleasure to speak with you today about the Omicron variant and its initial discovery by Dr. Sikalili Moyo at the Botswana Harvard Partnership, or BHP. The first point I'd like to make is that this discovery was not accidental. During the course of the epidemic, Dr. Moyo has worked to continuously sequence the SARS-CoV-2 viruses that have been identified by our laboratory. And he has worked in close cooperation with the Botswana government and the COVID task force in Botswana in leading these efforts. He tracked the shift uh, to the beta variant in very early 2001, and then the shift to the Delta variant later in the year. And his team at BHP has sequenced over 2,300 viruses uh, and is currently working to do many more. And Dr. Moyo was poised to quickly identify any new variant uh, that emerged in Botswana. The second way that this wasn't an accident is that the BHP lab had the capability to perform viral sequencing through our long-standing work to combat HIV in Botswana. And Dr. Moyo's team could rapidly pivot to working on the SARS-CoV-2 uh, when, the, when the pandemic hit. And this demonstrates the value of long-term investments in research infrastructure and research led by scientists in Africa and throughout the world uh, to fight global infectious diseases. But as we've learned, no good deed goes unpunished uh, and the travel bans that have emerged from this scientific finding are counterproductive. They will not protect us from new variants such as Omicron, which is now spreading in over 38 countries and they have a, a large human and scientific cost attached to them. There's a far better path for minimizing the impact of new variants and for reducing the chance that they will emerge, which is to roll out vaccines everywhere. By reducing the amount of total circulating virus worldwide, we will reduce the chance that it can mutate. And of course, we'll save lives. So thanks, happy to answer any other questions. Thank you, Dr. Shapiro. Uh, Dr. Moyo, do you have anything you'd like to add? Uh, thank you, uh, uh, Professor Shapiro. Uh, thank you for the opportunity uh, for the work that is being done in Botswana. As you know that the Botswana Harvard Partnership uh, established in 1996 between the Harvard School of Public Health and, and, the, and the government of Botswana and the Minister of Health has really laid out a foundation for uh, a number of uh, 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 groundbreaking research um, uh, yeah, from mother to child transmission studies uh, to uh, uh, antiretroviral therapy studies and into vaccines uh, for HIV and other infections and also leading efforts in training and capacity building. I, I myself am a product of that capacity building and training uh, uh, having been exposed uh, through the ranks at BHP and, and also having been mentored by mentors at, uh, at the Harvard School of Public Health, uh, we, we realized that uh, this long-term investment has trained a number of people uh, and others in our group as well. So this opportunity uh, to work with SARS-CoV-2 uh, really was a pivot and, uh, uh, and a build on to the work that we've been doing in HIV. And it, was, it prepared us uh, to systematically be able to sequence the SARS-CoV-2 variant working with uh, a public health response. And it's very important that the way we have been doing the sequencing was not just answering scientific questions, but it was at the heart of public health response, uh, monitoring and tracking emergence of these viruses. From the onset, we realized the, the introductions of the early lineages and we could track them uh, we could uh, uh, see from the signatures from the viruses how they have changed as compared to the original one strain viruses. And it was an evidence for us that uh, the mutations are occurring. Uh, and we have seen that uh, 
with our uh, wave one, uh, certain lineages of viruses were circulating there. And we saw that in the beginning of wave two, uh, which was around December, we had one common uh, uh, variant, uh, the beta variant that took over and we had uh, a number of infections uh, and, and deaths associated with that variant earlier in the year between uh, February and March, uh, we experienced a high number of infections, clearly showing that tracking these mutations uh, and these variants is important. And, and around April, May, uh, we had this uh, Delta variant, which uh, also uh, entered into the population. And as a result, if you look at our epicave, you'll see that we actually entered into the third wave, which peaked around uh, August, September, and that's where some of the highest deaths and infections occurred. And it had turned down, and for now, we are really like enjoying that our infection rates have gone down, life is returning to normal, and now in the beginning, uh, or in the middle of November, we are seeing another variant. And, uh, and we are excited that we're able to partner uh, with the government, with the Minister of Health and other scientists in the region and, and also at the Harvard School of Public Health to contribute uh, in the public health response. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Mario. Um, Dr. McKenna, do you have anything you'd like to add at this point? Only to emphasize that um, it is absolutely crucial that uh, we continue to ensure that uh, any public health response is seen to be global, it's systematic, it is standardized, and it's not punitive. And that from a scientific perspective, our scientists are very collaborative. We appreciate the efforts, investments in training and capacity building that have occurred uh, from uh, the Harvard School of Public Health with our institution, ensuring that there is regional local capacity uh, to track such epidemics or disease surveillance to ensure that ultimately there is capacity throughout the world for global health and protection against emergent public health diseases. Uh, and therefore, I think uh, we as an institution are certainly willing and are collaborative in all the work and are grateful for that uh, investment that the Harvard School of Public Health did eventually uh, undertake with uh, the Botswana-Harvard uh, Partnership and the Ministry of Health as global health outreach we believe should be. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. McKenna. Um, first question. Hey, thank you so much for taking my question. Uh, let me move things around. Um, actually, the, so I have two questions. The first is immunologically, the United States and Southern Africa are pretty different. And I believe that there have been um, a, kind of a different suite of variants in Southern Africa. So I'm wondering if you have any thoughts on how that might affect what Omicron could look like when it, well, it is in the United States now. And also if you, what you're seeing in Southern Africa at this point on uh, how it um, behaves as compared to Delta and other variants. Thank you. Lily, do you wanna start or should I? Uh, you can take that one. Okay, sure. Uh, I think we don't know yet where this is headed. In South Africa, cases are exponentially going up. And I think that is certainly concern that this new variant transmits easily. Uh, we're learning more and we don't know exactly how easily, but there's no question that, that this new variant is transmitting very well. How much better it may transmit than Delta, I think remains to be seen. Uh, the key questions about severity and the protection that we get from vaccines are also still to be determined. Um, and I think the next coming weeks will, will really help us understand whether we see uh, hospitalizations catch up to transmissions. We hope that will not occur. We would love to see a disconnect 
between transmissions and hospitalizations. And, and that will uh, help us feel that this, um, you know, either is certainly not more severe and perhaps a more mild disease, but getting to, you know, how this will affect different parts of the world, we just can't say. Uh, we don't think that there should be a difference uh, in how um, people in different parts of the world respond. I mean, we've all uh, seen Delta. The world has all essentially been infected with Delta uh, over the past year. Prior to that, we've um, had immune exposures to a limited number of variants for those with natural infection. And those who have been vaccinated have been vaccinated against you know, a limited repertoire of the vaccines that are available. So uh, I think that the world's uh, immune systems should respond in a, in a fairly similar manner uh, to, to this uh, new threat. And it just will have to play out and we'll see how it goes. Are you all set? Yeah, that's fine. Thank you. Thank you. All right, next question. Hi, thank you so much for doing the call and also uh, pardon the background noise. Um, I'm, I have two questions, two main questions. And the first is, there have been some really great articles um, talking about how different Omicron is compared to past versions of the virus. And Dr. Moyo, I know because you've been sequencing the virus, um, this must have really stood out to you. And I'm just wondering, you know, if you have any thoughts maybe on where Omicron came from and how it, how it arose. Um, and then the other question I was hoping, the other thing I was hoping you could do for us is maybe um, give us a timeline of events um, of how you came in, how you found um, the variant and, and your interaction with the scientists in South Africa. Can you just tell us how that unfolded and give us some dates? Uh, thank you for that question. Um, uh, still a lot is unknown, but as you know that mutations develop spontaneously as the virus mutates and replicates. Uh, definitely uh, at these ones, they can accumulate and spread, but we are still trying to understand how so many mutations arose uh, uh, for Omicron in a short space of time. If you look at the previous lineages, if you look at uh, alpha, if you look at uh, beta, you can see that the mutations accumulated over time. Uh, so it's still really a mystery why a virus uh, has so many mutations. You would scientifically think it will make it like a wimpy virus, but it does look like it has advantages. And we hypothesize that because of the mutations that are concentrated in the spike protein uh, in the receptor binding domain, which really is an area hotspot for the interaction between the virus and the human cell. We think that the mutations that are giving Omicron an advantage are increasing the affinity of the virus to the cell, are increasing uh, replication uh, capacity, and also are allowing the virus to evade uh, the, the immune, the fury of the immune system. So there is quite uh, 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 some hypothesis on how this could have evolved uh, is not very clear. The, it's not clear how the virus could have accumulated such mutations. It could have been a zoonostic transfer. That's still uh, to be established. If more sequencing occurs, it could have uh, occurred in, in, in a, a, uh, an environment of uh, immune uh, 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 compromised uh, individuals uh, that has not been proven. Uh, and, and I saw some reports that the initial sequences were from individuals that were immunosuppressed. Uh, uh, and, and I want to categorically clear that uh, that kind of information was not available. There was no evidence of that kind of uh, immune suppression, at least from the cases that we identified in Botswana. Uh, so there's still a lot in that area. Uh, uh, but I think because most of the mutations are concentrated in the spike, they might be giving the virus a lot of advantage in terms of, of infecting the host cells. Uh, in terms of our timelines, uh, as you know, uh, as described by Professor Shapiro, we are doing routine genomic surveillance. In our genomic surveillance, we are randomly selecting samples on a weekly basis in a systematic way throughout the country. So it was not a surprise that we, we are tracking this virus. 
Uh, and in the week of 15 to the 19th, we had three batches of sequencing. You know, it takes about 24 to 36 hours to, to get sequences done. So the second batch that we had, which was finishing like on a Thursday uh, 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 or so, we noticed that there were four sequences uh, that had unusual lineage that had not been seen in, in Africa. It had not been seen in many parts of the world. And that really uh, gave us some questions. And also it's, as scientists, you want to make sure that uh, you've done everything right. So we went back to the lab. We checked all our processes, uh, QC, and we, we did reanalysis and we observed that these sequences are still uh, uh, um, uh, a different lineage. And with a genome coverage of more than uh, 95%, 98% of a 30 KB genome, that really was a solid uh, finding. And we thought we should let it go. But because uh, there are processes you need to inform uh, when you have a strange finding, uh, according to our policies, you need to inform our Minister of Health. So we did that. So on the, on the 19th, uh, we analyzed this data and, 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 and there was, that was a Friday on a weekend. We prepared a, a, some summary for the Minister of Health, which on Monday morning, early morning of Monday, 23rd, we released the report to the Minister of Health. And at that time, we didn't know it's a new virus, but we certainly knew that there is something different about this virus. We didn't know that it has not been seen anywhere else. The closest lineage that the database was giving it was B.1.1.263. But if you look at uh, uh, that uh, uh, lineage, it has less mutations and definitely it couldn't be uh, uh, that lineage, uh, but the, the database had called it 263. So we notified the Minister of Health and say we had an unusual lineage currently classified as B.1.1.263, we require more information. They provided us more information and we could see that these individuals were traveling together. Uh, they were coming from outside uh, for some work, arrived on the 7th of November. The specimen that we sequenced uh, is the 11th of November. So at the time of depositing the sequence on the 23rd of November, early morning, about nine o'clock our time, that was the first earliest sample to be sequenced uh, from Botswana. Uh, when we released it into, into, into uh, uh, the, the database, uh, later on, a few hours later, uh, in the afternoon or so, South Africa also released uh, six of their sequences. So when they released six of their sequences, of course, uh, the genome database is an open source. Uh, so individuals, evolutionary biologists began to pick that there's a Botswana sequence that is looking like has many insertions. And that, that Twitter from that uh, uh, evolutionary biologist actually confirmed that, yeah, we were in the right place uh, in identifying an unusual, we call it an unusual pattern of mutations. And uh, the South African scientists, we collaborate. Uh, Professor Tulio was my PhD supervisor. So we had a chat and, and, and noticed that uh, there's something new and, and, and some evolutionary biologists in the UK uh, were now calling it a Botswana cluster, insertion cluster, a Botswana highly mutated viruses. You might have seen that in the press. So that prompted the database to uh, the administrators of the database and the taxonomy of viruses uh, to look at that, uh, those uh, sequences, the first uh, nine and one from Hong Kong, which was a partial genome uh, at the time. To, to kind of like look at it and see. And of course, they realize it's a different lineage. Uh, so that particular night of the 23rd to the 24th, especially 24th, it received a new lineage called B.1.1.529. And at that time, it had not been received a Greek uh, naming. As you know, we try not to stigmatize countries by naming viruses by the, the country where it was first detected. Uh, and on the 26th, you, as you know, the WHO virus working group met. Uh, and by then, South Africa sounded the alarm. Uh, as scientists, we tried to be transparent as possible. So South Africa, uh, 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 being uh, with scientists, also being a member of the working group, managed to alert the WHO. And on the 26th, 
realizing the way in which the virus was and the potential impact, it was upgraded to a variant of concern. Uh, and we, we, are, we are excited to be working together. Uh, and we, we know that um, uh, we are contributing in that space. And, and those are the events uh, that we, 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 we know about. And so correctly, WHO has assigned uh, the, the detection, the first detected in Botswana. And of course, because there were hours between, it's also classified as first detected in Botswana, South Africa, and Hong Kong, uh, just to acknowledge uh, the scientists. But the first sequence to be deposited was from Botswana. And, 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 and by all intents and purposes, as scientists, we are working together. We are in the same network of Africa Pathogen Genomics Initiative. So really, we, we discuss some of these findings, and that's enriching. And I'm also part of the, the, the Massachusetts uh, Journal Club, uh, driven off from the Harvard Associated uh, Universities. Every Friday, we also look at data from around the world. So it's an enriching experience, and scientists do collaborate. And we are not competing about who is first, but it's important to realize that uh, uh, we are poised to, to do this work because of the training and exposure and the collaboration that exists among ourselves. Thank you. Can I ask one follow-up? So the, you said the four individuals, the four initial sequences um, came from the same group of people that were traveling together. I think I've read that that was a, a foreign diplomat. Um, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, as you heard from the, uh, the president of, of Botswana, you also confirmed that these were foreign uh, uh, diplomats uh, that were visiting the country for a diplomatic mission. Thank you so much. Uh, next question. Hi. Um... I was just wondering if you could um, speak at all about um, how, how do you reconcile the genotype with the illness that's been described so far? I appreciate it's early days, but um, if, you, if you could speak about that at all. And then um, I also was hoping that you would be able to chat a little bit about um, what this says about Botswana and Africa's expertise in genomic surveillance. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, like you say, data is still coming in, uh, and uh, uh, preliminary data is, is really suggesting that in terms of transmission, we are seeing an explosion in Southern Africa, especially in Gauteng region of South Africa, where the virus has been growing uh, exponentially. And I think they might have released a preprint uh, just highlighting uh, that uh, quite a large proportion of the individuals that were infected with Omicron were apparently vaccinated. So look out on that um, uh, preprint and, and confirm the actual numbers. Uh, so there's a suggestion that it's possible that because of the nature of the hypermutations in this virus, that there is a chance that it may uh, reduce uh, some of the uh, vaccine efficacy. But it's still very, very early, and you must take that with a grain of salt. It's only been a week and a half and two, so really we need more data to support some of these hypotheses and some of the incidental findings that are coming out in different places. And of course, as you saw in the, some of the media reports and, 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 and verified by a peer review uh, publication that it seems like some of the cases are really mild. But it's still early uh, to tell, like Professor Shapiro said, it's still early. It, it averagely takes between five to 10 to 15 days to really start seeing uh, increase in hospitalizations or, or increase in severity of disease. And so I would be very cautious to, to make a conclusion, uh, maybe in the coming two, three weeks, um, uh, there's quite a lot of data that is going to come out about uh, some people are growing this virus in the lab to see how it is being neutralized by some of the, uh, the neutralizing antibodies uh, and also with implication for vaccines. And I believe that some of the vaccine manufacturers as well are looking at the early sequences, which is, uh, which is something that, uh, of course, we would like to discuss some more. Uh, because um, uh, with, the, with the transparency of what we have done, 
uh, uh, is, is allowing the world to now look at that data and generate knowledge to impact development of vaccines, which is, which is very important. So it really means that uh, scientists should not be punished uh, in, in the response that we see. I was enjoying the, uh, the, the, the contribution that we have made in terms of this discovery and that how it might have averted a number of deaths that we may see um, uh, with this uh, uh, virus. So that is very important uh, uh, contribution we think we have made. But when you open the news, we also said to see the number of countries closing their borders, shutting flights, uh, a number of people, um, you know, tweeting and say, you scientists, what have you done? You have closed our Christmas. And I believe that that's not how scientists should be rewarded. Uh, uh, and, 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 and that's very important. And I think because we realize onset of the threat of changing viruses from the original one strain gaining mutations like 614G, uh, increasing replication capacity, and the development of beta variant, we realized that genomic surveillance was going to be a cornerstone of our response. So with the Ministry of Health and the Presidential Task Force, we established a systematic genomic surveillance system, which is part of our vaccine development, vaccine uh, uh, rollout plan. So it's intentional. Uh, we have decided to really track this variant as a public health response a massive capacity uh, that was really built around HIV work, uh, thanks to all the funders and the donors that have supported uh, the work around uh, HIV uh, that has allowed us to really uh, grow. And also the capacity building through the mentorship that we have received uh, to be able to have this kind of, 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 of sequencing capacity. There's still more to be done. Uh, reagents run out because flights are not going. So how do we continue with our work when there's a threat that reagents may run out because um, there's not much traffic uh, coming this way. So South Africa as well established a network of, uh, of genomic surveillance across all the provinces and established more than, uh, more than nine to 10 centers that are sequencing the virus. Uh, so with the Africa CDC, Africa Center for Disease Control, uh, equivalent of US CDC, they have been able to bring African countries together uh, to see, to, call, to have sequencing hubs, a sequencing hub in Kenya, in Nigeria, uh, in South Africa, to be able to support other countries. They send their samples to these countries to be able to, to sequence. So that capacity has really uh, developed so much that Africa has generated more than 52,000 whole genome SARS-CoV-2 uh, 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 sequences that have been deposited uh, in the international databases transparently, allowing scientists, even outside Africa, to be able to interrogate them for discovery, for drug development, and for vaccines. So we believe in open science, and the funders also believe in open science, and that's what we should promote. There's more to be done. There are countries in the region that have no sequencing capacity. Uh, and even ourselves, we need to expand sequencing capacity. Uh, right now, infections seem to be going up. It means that we need to more than triple or, or, or quadruple our sequencing uh, capacity. So thank you so much. I think uh, where we need to monitor, especially when vaccination uh, rollout increases, we need to be watching out for any vaccine escape mutations because they, are, they will be growing in an, in an environment of vaccines. And actually areas where there is very little coverage of vaccines, those are the areas that we should be targeting to provide more sequencing capacity and to increase the coverage. Uh, because if we are allowing one part of the world to have three still mutations accumulating because we are allowing variants we are allowing viruses to be transmitted because there's low coverage. We are a global village. Uh, look at how many continents, how many countries right now are reporting Omicron. Just indicating that uh, we are a global economy, a global village, and we should be responding in a similar way as in a global response. Thank you.
just one quick um, clarification on that first answer. Um, in terms of um, the, the illness that's been described so far, again, I appreciate it's very early days. Um, and I realize that we might not have a wide uh, group of people that we, we're looking at, like, for example, it may, may be mostly in younger people that we're getting um, data for, for the type or, or information on, on how severe the, the disease is. But do you think that um, there's any chance with this number of mutations that um, even with those number of mutations, this might be a signal that we, in a sense, have an end in sight to the pandemic um, from the perspective that um, you know viruses effectively don't ultimately want to kill their hosts, they want to be able to stick around, and so it may become um, a milder form of of what we've been seeing in the previous waves. Yeah, I I I, I hope I got your question clearly. Um, you think that the onset of of omicron uh suggests that uh definitely viruses don't accumulate mutations in a single step as you know so it could be uh they've accumulated before we even detected them we know that possible they've been circulating and accumulating mutations what is worrying and concerning is the speed in which they've been accumulating mutations there are many regions of the world which are not sequencing uh, enough. So in terms of how early this uh, virus developed, is still a question out there. And we hope that as data is coming in, people are going back to their freezers and they are pulling out old samples. And as you know, some people have been able to see uh, as early as sometime in October uh, that uh, uh, this uh, lineage was already circulating. So it has really accumulated mutations, but what is surprising is the speed in which it accumulated mutations. Probably in areas where there is very low coverage of, of sequencing, uh, there was no chance that it could be detected early. So definitely uh, it means that we need to strengthen the surveillance system, especially for this virus. I hope I, I got your question uh, clearly. Good, thank you. Uh, next question. Thank you guys for taking my question. Um, I have two and I'll actually start with you, Dr. Shapiro. Um, knowing that we're still two, three weeks away from really knowing more about the Omicron variant, how transmissible it is and how well the vaccines work, what should states be doing to prepare for this? Um, because two or three weeks from now, we're in full swing for the holiday season. You know, do we need to see mass mandates come back? What, what steps should states be taking now? Thanks for the question. It's, it's not an easy one to answer. And I think there's going to be a lot of input into that that's going to balance um, overreaction and versus you know, what, what makes sense um, as we head into the holidays. I, I think it certainly makes sense to step up our vaccination efforts. The one thing we know we can do is we can vaccinate. And, and we've heard a lot about this, vac this particular variant may or may not uh, respond well to the vaccines. But one thing I wanna make clear is that most scientists believe that the vaccines, because they stimulate a broad immune response, not just antibody, but also our T cells, that that the broader immune response from the cellular immune system will protect us uh, even from the Omicron variant. So it remains to be seen, but we do hope that vaccines will still keep people out of the hospital and certainly reduce the number of deaths from this variant. And, and, and so vaccinating still remains the first, second and third thing we should be doing to prepare for this. I think um, the faster that we can bring oral antiviral agents to the market, the better. I, I, I really look forward to the FDA's approval of the, the new oral uh, COVID vaccine, you know, COVID uh, treatments that are coming out from Pfizer and Merck that will, that will allow us to, to get it, you know, get outpatient, you know, management, and hopefully again, keep people out of the hospital. I think that when we get into more prevention 
such as masks mandates. You know, we've seen this start to step up already. We've seen that the administration is moving uh, some of those measures forward. And I think that it makes sense to, to you know, be ready to do all this, to be poised for um, further restrictions, but maybe not to do it just yet. You know, we have not, we've certainly not seen this variant take off in the United States. We're all watching, you know, you know closely, but I, I believe that it's too soon to, to take really drastic measures. On the broader level, um, as we learn more about this variant, and if we do begin to get that comfort with, okay, variants are going to happen, our vaccines still protect us against the most severe disease, and let's just move on. I think that each time we have a new variant and we make it through, and, and, and this is a really important test, this Omicron variant, you know, I think starts to get us to the point where we can say, let's, this, this is manageable. And we've been dealing with flu seasons in our country forever. And we're gonna deal with COVID season too. And we're gonna manage it. And we're gonna minimize, uh, you know, we're gonna minimize hospitalizations and death because that's the goal. Uh, but we're probably going to have COVID season in in the United States and throughout the world um, for a, a long time to come. Um, and one quick follow up: um, Do we? I know again it's still early. Do we anticipate that Omicron could lead to another deadly winter surge, like we saw last year, where we did see increased hospitalizations? Any concerns for what winter could bring? Yeah, well, the timing of this certainly suggests that winter could be um, a surge. And, and even without the fact that this variant emerged just now, uh, right as we're heading into winter, we know that coronavirus is generally surge in the winter, uh, and we've seen it with the prior uh, waves. And so it's certainly reasonable to expect that cases are going to continue to go up. Thank you. And then Dr. Moyo, can you just say your first name for us for to make sure I'm pronouncing it correctly on TV? Oh, my name is Sikulile. Sikulile. Thank you. Sikulile Moyo. Great. Thank you. Uh, next question. Uh, thank you. So uh, I have a couple of questions. The first one is that um, uh, it is said that the Omicron is very, uh, have a very close relationship with HIV. So could, uh, could Professor uh, explain it more? And the second is that where, when, and how will the next variant uh, will appear in the future? And also I'm wondering that the appear of Omicron is a good thing, or it means that we will all come over again. Um, so do you have any comments? And as if in the future, the Omicron will spread around the world, will the situation in, in South Africa and Botswana will be different from that uh, in Asia? Thank you. Um, I could, I could, um take a stab at, at the beginning of these answers. So as uh, Dr. Moyo mentioned, there has been speculation that because there is um, uh, endemic HIV in Southern Africa uh, and, and a very large number of, of persons living with HIV, that uh, people have been, or some scientists have speculated this and the press has speculated that uh, this new variant, Omicron, may have emerged in the setting of uh, uncontrolled HIV. And there is a, a reasonable, it's a reasonable consideration, but we just have absolutely no proof of this at this point. And I think more research needs to be performed. The reason it's a reasonable consideration is that we've seen that people with severe immunocompromise, and that includes cancer patients on immunosuppressive agents, um, and also people uh, who have uncontrolled HIV and advanced disease have had a very, have had longer periods of COVID where the virus uh, does continue to replicate longer uh, in their bodies. And we've seen uh, evidence that during the course of that replication, 
the uh, mutations can emerge. And so there, there is certainly scientific plausibility for this uh, hypothesis, but we just don't have proof at this time. Just to just briefly answer about how this will impact the rest of the world, we, we just don't know yet. And, and to, to, to speculate um, whether we will see the same thing in Asia as is occurring in Africa or in North America or in Europe, we just don't know yet. Uh, we, we are concerned that um, Omicron is exponentially spreading in Southern Africa, in South Africa particularly. And we are watching it closely and we just have to wait and see what happens in other countries. Thank you. Are you all set? Uh, yes, can Dr. Mayer uh, ask my uh, answer my question about a, is it um, if it's a good thing or we it means that we should all all, all come over again. So about the appear of the uh, the Omicron or your observation about- I, I beg your uh, pardon, wait, I could. Yes, uh, so uh, could you also comment on the question about uh, the, the relationship with HIV and the Omicron? And also, uh, do you think that it means that we all should come over again after the Omicron happens around the world? Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping I get your question. I, I, the, the association with HIV, definitely, there's a preprint uh, article that you should uh, read. Uh, I think there are two cases now that show how uh, um, uh, the, the, the beta uh, variant could have, uh, the delta variant could have developed uh, some mutations uh, in, an, in, an, in an individual with uncontrolled HIV. But those are just two cases, and I think I think uh, as Professor Shapiro uh, tried to answer, that hypothesis uh, really stands to be seen. And I think it's too early to associate it with uh, 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 HIV. And I think that association just because of N is equals to two, I don't think it's just robust enough evidence uh, to suggest that. Uh, we've seen um, uh, uh, SARS-CoV-2, uh, COVID uh, growing in countries in large, uh, 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 increases in areas even where with low HIV. So that causal relationship really should be treated with a lot of caution. Okay, so uh, what, what will you do or the, uh, the researchers will do in the next two weeks? Uh, do, can you tell it in specific? Uh, what I know in the next two weeks, uh, as Fauci also announced, there's quite a number of studies looking at uh, the behavior of this virus, characterizing individuals that have had this virus, uh, seeing whether some of the uh, uh, current uh, vaccines are working uh, uh, on, on this virus. So that's very, very important. So we are going to see as well uh, whether there's going to be any increase in hospitalizations uh, in, because of, of, of Omicron. So that's very important. A number of studies are expected. Some people are isolating the virus and growing it uh, and challenging it with, uh, uh, with uh, uh, agents to see whether they will be effective. So we expect to see quite a lot of data. Okay, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, next question. Uh, uh, thank you so much for uh, taking my question. Really appreciate it. Um, basically for uh, like uh, Dr. Moyo, I was wondering sort of if you were surprised sort of by the global response to the finding and sort of the travel bans given sort of all we've learned during COVID about how effective or I guess how ineffective those can be. Um, and then what sort of instead of travel bans and, and restrictions would you have liked to see from European and, and, uh, and uh, like in the US? Uh, Dr. Moyo? Uh, I, I lost connection temporarily, ah, but I'm back. Um, Excellent. Should I, uh, 
should I repeat the question? Yes, yes, please. Right. Um, I was like asking sort of if you were surprised basically by the um, world response and the travel bans, given all we've learned over the pandemic about the efficacy or sort of inefficacy of these bans. Um, and then I guess sort of instead of travel bans and, and restrictions, what you may have liked to see instead from the US and, and, and from like uh, wealthier countries um, in response to the new variant. I think the uh, official opinion of the House School of Health. In my opinion, I think they were counterproductive because if we to roll out vaccines and we close the borders, how are we going to reach? Uh, this has been like almost two years into the epidemic. By now, uh, with the whole uh, global community should be having a, a coordinated response. Because you cannot shut the virus, passport doesn't know our nationality. Uh, it just moves because we are connected as a global economy. So we need to find ways of working together. It looks like uh, Dr. Moyo may have lost connection again. Um, could you hold on a moment and we'll see if we can get him back on and then uh, hopefully we can get a good, clear connection with him. Yeah, is that absolutely. good? Okay. Yeah, perfect. Thanks so much. Sure. Uh, next question. So my question, and again, you know, I appreciate the preliminary, you know, we're in a, a place where we don't have all the data that we want to have, but I know scientists are closely looking at um, if this new variant may affect people who already caught COVID and recovered, is there a higher reinfection rate, things along those lines. So with the preliminary data that we have so far, can you kind of speak to that? Speak about what we've seen so far and what we're going to look for uh, moving forward. Sure, I can I can start uh, to answer that one while Dr. Moyo is reconnecting. It, there does look to be evidence emerging that people who have either had prior COVID or uh, been vaccinated uh, can get this new variant, the Omicron variant, fairly easily. What you know in South Africa, there's a approximately 30% of people who have been fully vaccinated and uh, and I think up to 40% who have had uh, clinical COVID. So it's really taking off despite the high amount of immune pressure um, that, that you would expect from those. And prior variants have not shown that as much as this current variant. And I think that is one of the most worrisome features of this current variant which is that it really seems to be transmitting despite um, the, the fact that some of the people who are getting it uh, have evidence of uh, prior COVID or prior vaccination. So that's the most concerning feature that we're seeing right now. And it again, it does not mean they have severe disease, so that remains to be seen. Um, but certainly we believe some of the patterns of mutations that this highly mutated variant has is serving to uh, escape prior uh, immune, uh, you know, what, what we had hoped would be immune control of a new variant. Does that answer your question? Yeah, that was great. Thank you, Dr. Shapiro. I appreciate it. Sure. Great. Uh, Dr. Moyo, uh, are you have a better connection? Oh, for Excellent. Yeah, I apologize about my connection. I was just saying that um, we were really shocked about the travel bans. Uh, and uh, I think you have seen the, in the history of infectious diseases that travel bans, uh, they only probably delay the onset of infection. Uh, they, are, they are not effective in the long term. They actually do more harm than good. Uh, and it needs to be coordinated uh, uh, and so that countries that are really trying to slow down movement, they work together. So there has to be real coordination. How do we reduce impact? For example, vaccines have to flow, right? How do we reduce impact uh, in, in, in the economy? And that's very, very important. Do you have any follow-ups? No, that's great. Thank you very much. Great. Um, and we're just about out of time, but it looks like we're going out with uh, Go ahead.
Oops, thanks. Um, I really appreciate your guys doing this. Um, so thank you very much. I have a couple of questions about what this looks like on the ground in um, in Southern Africa right now. Um, you know, are you seeing this being transmitted in Botswana as much as it is in South, in South Africa? And also what about kids? Um, we understand that about, I think it's 10% of those who are infected are children and wondering if you know anything more about, about that. Those obvious, I'm guessing they were not vaccinated. They may have been infected before, but I don't know. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, I'll keep the video off to, uh, to have uh, serve my, my bandwidth. Uh, thank you so much for your for your question. Uh, what we we see with the data that South Africa has released, they are releasing data on a daily basis. You can see it in their Twitter handle, uh, NICD. Uh, we see that uh, the infections are really really going up uh, from 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 every day. It's an exponential growth. Uh, from a thousand, you go to three, four thousand, to six thousand, and yesterday eleven thousand infections being reported in a single day. So definitely there's evidence that there's a number of infections. And they've also reported their demographic that has been mostly uh, 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 as well uh, young people, not mostly, but uh, a fraction of young people. And of course, vaccination is only starting to, to pick up uh, uh, in young people in, in, in South Africa. In Botswana as well, uh, like I mentioned earlier, we are beginning to see an increasing uh, positivity rate uh, in the past few days. So in the next few days, we are going to see quite uh, uh, probably uh, more, more infections coming through. And that's important data. Uh, it will be more cleaner as the day uh, goes by, especially in Botswana. Thank you. You're all set. Yeah, unless, Roger, you have any more data on, on young children? Because again, I saw that the yeah. young children. I saw that report, but I'd be cautious about it. That I think in previous variants, similar reports came out, and then ultimately, with more, when more cases came in, it was uh, it didn't really pan out. So I I think I'd be very cautious about making any assumptions about children at this moment. Uh, it's certainly something to keep an eye on. Great, thank you. Uh, last question, I think, is going to be. Um... Um, uh, as long as you guys have a couple more minutes, would that be okay to stay on for one last question? Okay. Uh, go ahead. Okay, can you hear me? Yes. Uh, uh, okay. Um, hello, professors. My question is that um, uh, the latest research from South Africa indicated that the reinfection risk of Omicron is like three times as uh, as that of the other variants. But from the current reports, we have known that some of the Omicron cases only show very mild symptoms. So, so is there a possibility that um, Omicron or the future mutations of the variants will be inclined to be with higher ability of dodging the vaccine, but causing less severe diseases? Thank you. I could start an answer to that. Um, I think it's possible for viruses to mutate in a way that makes them either more severe or less severe. And it, it's very often the case that viruses adapt to become less severe over time, but it's not always the case. And over the short term, it's really hard to predict what direction will be most beneficial to the virus's survival, which is really all the virus cares about, is surviving and replicating. So it's, you know, it's certainly uh, interesting to think that uh, a more transmissible but less severe virus would be advantageous. But it, it, there are other ways it can go as well, uh, and and uh, we we can't be too um, we can't hang too much on on that optimism. I think what's in over the short term, what's even more important in terms of clinical outcomes is, is this the first time you have ever seen COVID or is this your second or third or fourth time because you've been vaccinated or you've had natural disease? Now we know, as we said, that the Omicron variant seems to disregard our prior exposure and that is of concern, but remember, it's not going to totally disregard it. And there are other aspects of our immune system, such as our cellular immune response, 
that should keep us protected and should keep us out of the hospital, um, even though it looks like it's blowing right through that prior uh, exposure and, and reinfecting people. So I, I, think, um, I think it's really important you know, that, that we consider both the, the number of times someone's been exposed in our own immune response, as well as where the virus is heading from an evolutionary standpoint, as we figure out you know, where this is all gonna, gonna uh, play out in terms of uh, clinical outcomes and uh, overall number of cases. Sikalili, do you want to add to that? Uh, yeah, I just want you. to add that um, I think the, the, the study from South Africa does uh, uh, really also emphasize that uh, they did not find any evidence of reinfection risk increase uh, during the emergence of beta or delta variants. And uh, really suggesting that maybe there was a some selection advantage uh, that allowed these variants to spread, uh, primarily probably because of increased transmissibility uh, other than immune escape, suggesting that other, other arms of the immune system uh, get kicked in and help. Uh, and, and, and it's still early, of course, the, any, any evidence of immune escape uh, from prior infection or vaccination for Omicron is very important. Uh, for implications for public health. And I'll caution that while the study found that uh, there's 25 to 30% uh, probably uh, uh, lower uh, um, uh, reinfection uh, in the previous three waves than in Omicron, it may be too early. I think we need to, to see more data. Uh, I'm still anxious to see other different vaccination type uh, products and see how this will pan out. But preliminary, there is a suggestion from this uh, preprint, uh, it's not yet peer reviewed, that there might be a, 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 almost a quarter to a third increase in, in the reinfection with, uh, with, uh, with Omicron. But we do not know whether it will translate to severe disease or, or, or increase more or more deaths. Thank you. Are you all set? Oh, thank you. That's all of my question. Thank you. Um, last question. Hi, thanks. Uh, sorry I'm late, so uh, I hope no one already asked this, but I wanted to ask about um, breakthrough infections. You know, say somebody got two shots of Pfizer Moderna uh, six months ago, and then they got a, a breakthrough infection, say, one month ago. Uh, I mean, does that sort of act as a booster, uh, especially? you know, potentially against Omicron 2, protecting against Omicron 2? Or do you think, uh, you know, even people with recent breakthroughs uh, should also be getting uh, boosters? Thanks. I would say that all exposures to the virus uh, or to a booster prime our immune system and, um, and make it, you know, and keep us safer by um, getting both uh, arms of our immune system, our humoral and our cellular responses maximized so that even if this new Omicron variant, variant can escape through our, the humoral response or the antibody response, that the cellular response can kick in and keep disease you know, too limited to something only mild or moderate. So anytime we're boosted, uh, we, we should be priming those aspects of our immune system. We, you know, the, the issue always comes up whether or not we should be, you know, how, how targeted that needs to be and whether we need, you know, new, new boosters that are, you know, specifically for the Omicron variant. And I think certainly work is going to begin in that area because of the large number of mutations with this variant, with, with Omicron, that is hasn't been seen before with prior variants. And, and it's certainly going to raise the question, should we um, tailor our immune responses more, more specifically to Omicron? And I think I'd like to end, since we're at the last question, by saying that the scientists from Botswana and South Africa who have provided us with the sequencing data 
have done the world a huge service because they have gotten that information you know, to the vaccine manufacturers in a really timely, efficient, early manner to get the, that process rolling. And I can only hope that the favor will be returned when the vaccines are created so that Southern Africa is offered those same vaccines. Are you all set? Yes, thanks. Okay, great. Um, all right, Dr. Shapiro, Dr. Moyo, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with us before we go? Uh, just to echo uh, what uh, Professor Shapiro has said, uh, we need to systematically increase uh, genomic surveillance, uh, especially in low resource uh, settings and, and support uh, scientists in those uh, regions uh, to continue to do uh, uh, great work and great science. Uh, and also we need to review strategically, how do we respond to such findings as a global community? How do we uh, make sure that we are coordinated in our response so that uh, we encourage scientists to be transparent with their data so that next time you are not cautious because you realize that uh, quite uh, the kind of damage that uh, this uh, uh, finding and transparency uh, has produced. And I think scientists too should be encouraged to be transparent with their data irregardless of the repercussions. Thank you. Great. Thank you very much, Dr. Moyo. This concludes the December 3rd press conference.